0: Welcome to the Lindsay Holder podcast. Gain tips on how to run a successful small business, as well as how to keep yourself looking good while you do it. Here are your hosts, Lindsay Holder Reinhardt and Ashley Rinken. As a small business owner, do you know the importance of having diversity and inclusion in your business? Do you know the difference between them? There are so many different types of diversity. It can even mean between extroverts and introverts. That is just so fascinating to me. So I needed help understanding these differences, how I can learn about them and make my culture and business stronger. So to do that, I asked my HR consultant over five years, Ava Smith of HR Specialties. So Ava has been my go-to for everything HR and I consider her my life jacket in business. She handles all of my HR needs from recruiting, culture reviews, compliance assistance to even my handbook and policies. She is in my business life on a constant basis and definitely in my favorites in my phone on speed dial. <laughs> Along with HR consulting Ava offers diversity and inclusion training for business for small businesses both in person and online. Along with HR consulting, Ava offers diversity and inclusion training for businesses both in person and online. I cannot wait for you all to listen and learn from her on this episode. Please welcome Ava Smith, my personal HR consultant. I am so excited to have Ava on. My slogan is everyone needs an Ava. And she hears me talk about this all the time. because Ava has been in my life for, Ava, how long has it been? Has it been five or six years? Or
1: Yes, I was thinking about it's, that the other day. I think it's actually six. been about five or six years that I've been assisting you. And it's been a joy ride. I love being a part <laughs> of your growth.
0: I'm going to just say ride also. (laughs) (laughs) I love how Ava's always so positive. So she puts joy in front of that. It's awesome. Ava has been such a positive influence. I mean, and also she comes with therapist session. On occasion. On occasion, yes. But I was really excited to talk to you about this topic because of diversity and inclusion, and also know your backstory and how your business came yet to be. And for small business owners, you know, we always don't really know what diversity inclusion means. And I hate to admit it, but I think that I probably needs just guidance and just some more in like in depth look on what that actually means. I'm really excited to go into this today. So first off. I just want to share with the audience about you and how you guys started your personal journey and how your business came to be today.
1: Sure. So my personal journey is a little unique. I'm actually from New Jersey. I am a former delinquent teen whose mother just kind of kidnapped her and said, I've got to put you in a different environment. So I actually uh, came to Spartanburg, South Carolina, and literally had to face a crossroad in which I had to first address my life choices to include my education. When I came here, I had not really attended high school for about three years. However, the school that I attended gave my mother transcripts and gave me report cards, even though I was absent. Fast forward, when I got to Spartanburg High School, they learned very quickly that I was not qualified to be a senior and um, indicated to me that I needed to make a choice of whether or not I would uh, get tested and move into the appropriate grade level for my education at that time, or because I was 18, I could drop out. I made the decision to hang in there and to start over. And so at age 18, I qualified through testing to be in the 10th grade. So I did buckle down. I had several mentors that understood my plight, my journey, and they worked with me behind the scenes. And eventually I did graduate with my high school diploma at the age of 20. It really opened up my eyes in regards to mentorship and people identifying strengths and weaknesses, which I'm sure ended up being blended into my future career in HR. In regards to starting my business several years later, after um, working in a variety of different entry level positions, I actually Applied for a position in what was known back then as personnel at a wonderful nonprofit in Spartanburg called the Charles Lee Center. My job had two bullet. It was to answer the phones and give out applications. Became pretty assertive. Again, wonderful mentors assisting me and understanding my shortcomings and training me. And a year and a half later, I was actually the HR manager. Hmm. I left there and decided to go into other sectors. So I have worked in corporate America, uh, higher education organizations, and finally landed in manufacturing in an HR director position. Shortly after that, the company began a massive layoff and I was one of the people affected. So I was able to spend about a year and a half just kind of deciding what I wanted to do. During that time, I returned back to school to pursue my degree, do have my HR degree, probably by the skin of my teeth, but I did it. (laughs) But then when it was time for my unemployment benefits to expire, then I was faced with the challenge of my next move. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of job searching. I saw bits and pieces of what I wanted to do in different jobs in different positions but really couldn't find my dream job all the while in my hr career i had several small businesses approach me and i'd been assisting them pretty much pro bono and then on the side and they all said you need to start your own business So once I realized that my dream job did not exist, I decided to create my own dream job. And in 2002, I started a company called HR Specialties. And so I designed it to be an HR consulting firm for small businesses. And it's just been ongoing ever since.
0: That's awesome. I never knew the backstory. And interesting to hear your school struggles, because to me, you speak so like well, just your professionalism, like everything, like I can't imagine you have any struggles in school at all.
1: (laughs) Oh, I did. I, I just did. could
0: not even imagine that.
1: <laughs> yes, they were pretty blindsided because, unfortunately, the grades that they got were honor student level. And so when they registered me at Spartanburg High School, at first I was in honors classes. That changed really quickly. Oh. Oh, <laughs> the only yeah. thing I got right was the date. So, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay.
0: Oh my goodness. I also love how you, when you can't find anything, you just, you know, a true entrepreneur, you just build it yourself Mm -hmm. and you see that there's a need out there. And obviously you said 2002, is that what you said? Yes. It's 2020, obviously the need, and oh my goodness, especially this year, your phone is probably ringing off the hook.
1: Yes, it (laughs) is.
0: Absolutely. It's interesting though, because yes, you do HR, but there's also a couple of other sides to your business as well. Diversity training is one of them, and then also bringing individuals together, kind of like a little business network to help other businesses. I didn't know if you could explain that a little bit.
1: Yes, so when I started HR Specialties, it was mainly just to focus on assisting small businesses with HR and recruiting. When 2009 rolled around and the economy tanked, I was faced with potentially going bankrupt. And Mm. that is because all of my small business clients either went out of business or Mm. they laid off their employees so they didn't need my help anymore. I had the opportunity to have a cup of coffee. It was in my mind divine intervention with a marketing guru who helped build manufacturing companies from mom and pops into multi-million dollar global companies and he gave me some really good advice within my hr company i was offering recruiting services at a flat rate you know for small businesses because they could not afford the 20 to 30% that they would be charged for someone's salary if they gone through a regular mm-hmm. staffing agency and so he said what well, you know what do you call that program i said i've always just referred to it as flat fee recruiting. And he said, "Duh, that's your next business." Oh, and So yeah. he said, "You need to pull that out of your HR firm, make it a standalone business, so that all size companies can see it because it's very affordable, and they're going to need your help." In the meantime, over the course of several years, I had begun to do diversity work. Just you know, by chance of being asked to join SHRM, they asked me to create a diversity committee. I sat on their board locally here in Greenville, and realized after being called on over and over again. and after I've done maybe 300 to 400 diversity sessions, that it was actually a business. And so I created Ava Smith & Associates, which at that time was just a diversity consulting firm. At the beginning of this year, I decided to merge HR specialties into Ava Smith & Associates. I've added associates to the company that help with the full cycle of the HR process. And so now only offer diversity assistance, but anything from assessments to professional development to financial and wellness and health services, all of that's included in our services. So I'm really proud of that. It's it's evolved, but I am still, especially like you said, in such a time as this, mainly being called upon right now to help with diversity issues.
0: Absolutely. I just love that you're, you're like a one-stop shop. You could just, <laughs> I, I think. yeah, you absolutely are. I'm so thankful for it too. So I am interested in learning today about diversity inclusion. And I'm also curious, you know, have you personally struggled with that? What would it maybe be an example of that? And how would you explain both of those? Like what exactly mm-hmm. is diversity? What is inclusion and like examples of both?
1: Yes. Well, as far as personally struggling with it, it's not been an ongoing issue for me as far as being an entrepreneur. There have been a couple of times, however, that, you know, I have walked into a meeting to meet with an executive to provide a service and I've gotten the look of okay, you're not who we thought you were. And, you know, there've been a couple of times that the meetings just kind of promptly ended. And then I found out that my counterparts actually got the business for probably 300% more of the cost. And Mm -hmm. that was disappointing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that happen. And I've just not let it slow me down. In fact, it's actually helped to fuel my desire to make sure Mm. that not only do other woman owned and minority owned businesses Uh, You know, rise up and and prove that we're worth, you know, just as much as, as anyone else, but also to help companies understand the business case for diversity and inclusion. And instead of seeing it as a potential negative to see how positive it can be in the long run in many different areas. Absolutely. So so if I was going to describe, you know, diversity and inclusion, I would say that diversity is really the appreciation of similarities and differences, especially in the workplace, but finding ways to maximize those differences so that everybody can reach a common goal. And so obviously in the workplace, that's our profitability, our sustainability, retaining talent. So it's an appreciation of those similarities and differences. You know, a long time ago, diversity was just the word. Now it's diversity and inclusion. And the reason that that is because it's not about just going through that checkbox to say, you know, we have an African American, we have a Hispanic, we have women. The checklist is not the solution. You can invite people to come into your company, but are you really inviting them in? Are you inviting them into decisions? Are you inviting their perspectives? Are you Mm -hmm. inviting their expertise? Are you inviting the things that they perceive won't go right? I tell a lot of my companies that if you have a homogeneous environment, meaning that everybody looks the same, thinks the same, moves the same, and it feels good, and you're all smiling and heading in one direction, that's not necessarily a good thing. Because if you're all smiling and moving in the same direction, but it's the wrong direction, Mm. then you haven't really served yourself well. So it does help to have different perspectives. I always say diverse perspectives increase success. So you want to make sure that people, diversity is not about counting people. It's about counting people in. And that's where the inclusion piece is very important.
0: I thought it was really interesting. We spoke about this briefly before the podcast a couple of weeks ago And I never thought about this as a business owner, but you were mentioning that having different groups, different types of people would also affect you in the marketplace. Oh, absolutely. From a profitability standpoint, I never Mm -hmm. thought of that.
1: So it can affect you internally and externally. So internally, when you're hiring, people want to see others that look like them. And I'm not just speaking of ethnic people. You'd be surprised how many times I am coming in on the landing for a really great opportunity for a young white male who might be about 24, 25 years old. And one of the questions they ask me is, tell me about the diversity in this organization. And so this particular generation, they find it very important to be inclusive because they have friends that are diverse. They've experienced, you know, international experiences. They believe in broadening their understandings of others and culture. And they're the group that's most civic minded in the generations right now. So that's, you know, internally, you want to make sure that people feel like your organization represent what's important to them. And if diversity is one of them, you will not keep them if you don't make efforts to show that you're trying to be diverse. On the flip side, when you're talking about external, customers want to know. What people look like within your organization, they want to know that if they come to your company, that the people that they interact with, treat them with respect and honor their dollars just as much as the next person. And if they feel like you are not embracing them or that you're not including them, not only will they walk away from business, but they'll take others with you. There's buying power tied to diversity, and if for no other reason, organizations need to look at the business case for diversity so that they can be successful. We're no longer competing with just the people down the street anymore. Now we're competing at a global level, and from a global standpoint, we're becoming more and more diverse every day. So it's important to keep that in your line of sight.
0: I love that, and that's just so interesting to learn about. And obviously, I would think this starts with the hiring process. So for a small business owner, I just know to put an ad up on Indeed or one of those larger job boards. But you mentioned that there's some other ways to also connect and find those people. And I did not know if you could share about that, but I thought there were some amazing tips for that. Sure.
1: So recruiting is not just throwing up the ad, especially if you have a focus of diverse recruiting. And I always advise organizations, try to at least have a pool of candidates that represent your demographics and your community and do the best that you can. So culturally, people find information in a variety of different ways. And sometimes you do have to go the extra mile to get the information out. So beyond things like Indeed and Monster and and all of that, you want to, you know, maybe perhaps reach out to some of the leaders in the Hispanic community. They can, You know, pass out information in a matter of seconds, and you'd be surprised what quality is out there in regards to bilingual candidates. In the African-American community, churches play a very large part in the area of communication and validation. And that just goes back from their historical days and it's just carried on as a tradition. So sometimes, you know, reaching out to churches, um, reaching out to HBCUs, which are the historically uh, black colleges and and universities and getting information out there. They have tremendous career services departments that also help get the word out. So I would say just find niche areas within different ethnic groups, uh, who the leaders are in the community. Let them know what you're doing. Social media is powerful. And if you feel like you have angst or not quite sure how to engage with them, there's companies like myself that will help you with diverse recruiting to kind of take that, you know, that part of it out of out for you. The nervousness. Now, at the end of the day, though, I do still advise my companies that you still need to hire the best person. Do your best to have the qualified pool of candidates, but hire the best person. Now, if there's, you know, all things are equal between two candidates and one is, you know, a minority, I would just strongly ask you to consider bringing in that minority so that you can show that you are willing to diversify your organization.
0: I think that's great.
1: This episode is sponsored by Organic Tan
0: Face and Body, a natural beauty and wellness spa located in Greenville, South Carolina and owned by our very own Lindsay Holder. Come visit the spa today where they strive to bring out your natural glow. Visit the spa online at OrganicTanFaceAndBody.com and follow them along on Instagram. Yeah, that was one of my questions. Like, what if, you know, you do have to look at the qualifications? It's important to have the best fit. And I also, it would make me nervous is not the word, but I wouldn't know exactly what churches to go to mm-hmm. just because I just go to my church. I hate to say it, I don't really know what else is out there, so that's something that someone like you could help me with and right. just kind of plug me into those communities and those
1: areas. So right.
0: I wonder, I was just kind of having a thought, I wonder about the your local Chamber of Commerce with that.
1: I would not rule them out. However, you know, they are a small staff most of the time. And so they may not have the ability to do a lot of the groundwork for you. Again, you know, there's agencies out there that do this all the time that already have the preexisting relationships, the followings on their networks and the credibility that, you know, if Ava or a certain person says, this is a great organization that I'm working with, then people tend to be less apprehensive to approach, you know, forwarding their resume and being considered.
0: I wonder also if this thought just occurred to me too, if you're running an ad for a job, let's say it's on Facebook or Instagram, maybe you could also run it and specifically tailor it to different types of communities. So you're having a different reach to more diverse candidates. I was just kind of thinking if that Mm -hmm. would even
1: work. You can do that. You just need to make sure that you don't cross the line with the language being discriminatory, even with good intentions. You don't want to exclude someone else because you're trying to be inclusive. So it can be a little tricky, but I would say, you know, you don't have to necessarily customize the information so much as just getting it into the hands of the people in the various communities. Okay, We're really not that different in terms of receiving, you know, advertisements and understanding how to apply. It's just a matter of making sure that it gets into the right hands of the people that have the networks behind them.
0: Okay, absolutely. So once a candidate is hired, and they're aboard your team, what are some tangible steps that small business owners can make to have everyone feel included and that you have that diversity inclusion in the workplace? Like, what would that
1: look like? Well, first of all, it's top down. One of the mistakes that happens is that leadership, top leaders, CEOs, executive presidents of companies, sometimes, you know, and I understand the concept that they hire individuals, mid level, lower level to handle certain things. But there's something to be said about just that moment of interaction where those leaders say, welcome, we welcome you. Just saying we welcome you can go a very, very long way. I would make sure that there are statements in your mission and in your vision that communicate the fact that your organization is inclusive and in how you embrace diversity and that it's, it's a part of the fabric organization. You don't want to do things that just kind of really put the people out there and it's just really obvious that you are you know, doting on them or doing certain things because they are a minority. It needs to just feel like this is a natural part of the organization, regardless of what you look like, how old you are, where you come from, um, what your communication style is. It just needs to be an organic situation and it needs to be something that feels ongoing. One of the mistakes that organizations do again, with good intention, is they'll launch a diversity and inclusion initiative. And so they go through, say, several months of work. They do diversity day, you know, include pictures and cultures and food and everybody claps and then it's gone. That will feel like a checkoff. You want to make sure that you have ongoing things that speak to diversity inclusion so that, again, it does feel like it's a part of the fabric of your organization and not the, okay, we did that type of thing.
0: So would that look like just more meetings that you just include everybody, which I usually do that. So, I mean, in my business, like everybody has a voice, I want to hear what my employees have to say. They're the ones usually, you know, working with the clients, speaking mm-hmm. to clients a lot more than I am. So it's just important. And our communication is on group feed so we can all see things, our Facebook's group feed. So we're just including everybody that way. Is there mm-hmm. anything else that we can work to include? I just didn't know if there was like tangible things mm-hmm. besides meetings.
1: Well, that's really a great point, And I'm familiar with your staff. What I like about it is that primarily your staff are millennials. One of my number one diversity training sessions that are suggested is how to manage generational diversity in the workplace. And primarily, people are concerned about how to interact with the millennial group, in some cases, Gen X. So I would say that the millennials are probably the most disregarded group within the uh, generational groups because there are stereotypes about them, that they're, you know, self-entitled, that they don't have the strong work ethic, that they don't appreciate what the employer does for them, that they want to be the president within two years. (laughs) And in some cases, you know, those things are true. However, having everybody at the table, it still benefits you. And you need to make as much of an intentional effort to do that as you possibly can. So ways to be, you know, some action plans like you're uh, wanting me to go a little bit deeper on is instead of just turning them away, create a mentoring program. They're very thirsty. They want to learn. They know that they're dealing with the stereotypes And if they are matched with a a mentor that works for them, then not only are you imparting into them and teaching them professionalism, but you're also creating a succession plan for your organization. Because what you don't want is for the other generations to leave because they're going to face some life changes. It could be retirement. It could be that it's time to be their parents parent. It could be a variety of things. Right. You don't want that knowledge to walk out the door and then you have no succession plan. That's one of the things that will flatline your company. So if you're building them up and making them feel important and making them a part of decisions and bringing them to the table, it makes all the difference in the world. Now, what that also requires, though, is that your other generations need to be enlightened about the differences in motivations, expectations, views on authority. There's just, you know, 50 different things that the different generational groups actually think differently on. And if those Older generations are not aware of how their mindset differs and why it differs. It's going to cause conflict in the workplace. The millennials are going to be shunned and your innovative, technically savvy youngsters are going to walk out the door and go somewhere else and help somebody compete against you. I assure you scary. (laughs) It is.
0: Well, this is why I love having Ava in my life because she can teach me all of this too, because she can say, well, this is why this is happening. Let me explain this. This is what they're thinking. That's been so helpful. And the other thing that has made a huge difference is Ava started a culture review with my team. So it comes in like twice a year and just checks on things. And boy, it's, it's an eye opener for me. And we had to make a change that I kind of thought because I thought that they wanted it. And then the whole team did not want it. And but I listened to the team and they felt comfortable talking not to me, but only to you. And I would have never gotten that information if it wasn't for that cultural review. So that has been, I highly recommend that for, for small businesses, just a, a check-in, how you're doing, how can we make things better? How are you feeling? But like with a third party, so it's not so personal, I guess, is it the mm-hmm. word? Mm-hmm. So that has been such an important part of just a check-in with my business. I just love it. So great. Well, I feel, I feel a lot better knowing more about this and how to to know about diversity inclusion? Is there anything mm-hmm. else that you would like us to know about?
1: I would just say, you know, just don't minimize what you think diversity is. Yes, it is those things that we pinpoint, you know, race, gender, sexual orientation, all of that. But you need to also kind of think outside of the box in regards to diversity. Um, a lot of the conflict comes from The other 100 little things like communication styles. Are you dealing with an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, that's a that's a component of diversity. Are you dealing Hmm. with somebody that's ex-military or not? The way that they interact in the workplace is different. And it's not that they are a problem if they have a certain, you know, strict personality That's a component of diversity. Are they from the north or are they from the south? I really had a big culture shock when I came from New Jersey because I communicated a certain way and I was deemed when I started my professional life as being short and, you know, not caring and just a little rough around the edges. And I thought I was being respectful, but I had to (laughs) learn that before I walked in the office and said, hey, do you have that report? I stopped and said, how's that Hardy's Biscuit? Yeah. How's how's your mama? I was gonna say, yo, you guys uh, we're gonna want to talk to you for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I had to, you know, sit down and talk for about five minutes and see how cheerleading practice went and all of that. And then I asked for the report and they were like, We love Ava. She's so nice. Oh my gosh, I love it. it. It's things like that are a component of diversity. It wasn't the fact that you know, I was African American, it was my communication style. So right. I just want everybody out there to just think larger than just those those small things. Also, many people don't realize this, but I'm legally blind. And so I don't show it. I don't act like it because it's just always been a part of my life. But that does not mean that I don't need accommodations. And so don't overlook things. Um, That deal with certain handicaps or disabilities. That's also a component of diversity. That's also a component of inclusion. When people feel like they don't have to be treated differently, they just need a little bit of help. You'd be surprised how you can retain great talent just by showing that you care in that aspect as well. And and I'm going to be quiet. I can go on and on and on. Um, As you can tell, I'm passionate and I love the topic. But just remember that diversity is anything that makes us different.
0: One question is, how do you feel about the the personality test? Do you think that an employer should you know, have those tests taken to make sure that you fit well with that other person before they're hired?
1: I'm very open to assessments. um, But what you have to make sure of is that you don't look at the results of the tests and become culturally biased. So, if I'm going to be, you know, use myself as, as an example and be pretty transparent, and Lindsay, you know this, I am not aggressive, but I'm assertive mm-hmm. and I'm laser focused and I just get to the point, and that's just my personality. I, I'm a very strong woman. Some of my answers, however, may come across to somebody else when they're aware of who I am, you know. At, As an ethnic individual, you know, you have to deal with your blind spots and some of your biases, because I could be seen as an overt, you know, black woman, too strong for the organization. She might come in here and, you know, fill in the blank. And so you just have to make sure that you don't have cultural biases tied into the results that you see when you do those tests.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Okay. Well, can organizations, do you just work locally or do you work all over the country? Can they call you up or go to your website or contact you? So
1: I work on a national level. I have no issues with, you know, doing any training or consulting. Um, You can reach me at 864-448-0939. My email address is Ava, A-V-A, at yourfullcyclehr.com. And if you forget it, just reach out to Lindsay. She and I talk quite often.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. I feel like almost in a daily level. (laughs) And I refer when people ask me, who are some people that you have to get into your when you're starting a small business? I said, let me tell you, you have got to first stop what you're doing. You've got to call Ava. Like she's got to get your handbook ready. She's got to help you with like your setup system. You've got to call her. And I, I, I don't, probably don't know this, but your name probably goes out several times in a week.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate I a, that.
0: Yeah. I have a lot of small business friends. I'm like, did you call her? Did you call her?
1: <laughs> Here's her number. Well, well they, some people cringe, though, when they think about HR. And I understand it. It's just one of those. You start your business to do what you're good at. And the thought of doing HR just turn people off. I hope that I make it as painless as possible. I do as much as I can so that you don't have to. But at the same time, it's something you cannot overlook in your business. It's going to affect your bottom line if you don't have the right processes, if you're not covered legally, if you're not communicating expectations well, if you're not dealing with issues well, it will bring your business down. So it's just kind of like going to the dentist, just call me.
0: It is. And I know why, though. I think a lot of small business owners, we are so, we have to watch our finances um, mm-hmm. so much, as you know. So I think when you think HR consultant, you just think, oh my gosh, she's going to be mm-hmm. like astronomical. I'm so thankful that you have allowed small businesses to be able to, you know, I can afford you. And that's mm-hmm. just, I'm just so thankful for that because mm-hmm. when I first heard of this, I thought I'm never going to be able to do it. Because I just think of like on the corporate level, I have to have somebody, you know, full time. Right. I'm right. salaried, and I didn't know that I could you know break it into bite-sized bits like mm-hmm. we do so which is so nice so thank yes. you <laughs> you're
1: very welcome
0: well thank you Ava for being on and I'm sure I'll text and call you like right after this <laughs>
1: okay I'm sure you will
0: <laughs> thank you thank you Thank you guys for listening. And a reminder to please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to make sure you are getting all the episodes. And also, if you would please, please rate and review us. You can be a part of our community through our VIP private Facebook group for women entrepreneurs and those beauty mavens. Search Lindsay Holder, Small Biz and Beauty on Facebook. And we cannot wait to keep the conversation going on over there.